This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. And then everyone said, Jabroni. Jabroni. J-A-B-R-O-N-I. X-Y-Z. A-B-C. Oh, it doesn't matter. You spell Jabroni. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Two Jabronis with a Wrestling Podcast. BJ Cruz here with my tag team partner. The man who has no idea how much I shit on him during my guest spot on big screen sports. The incomparable Jeremy Loss. Jay, what's up, dude? I'm, uh, I'm devastated that you went on this pod without me because you talked crazy stupid love, which is my fucking jam. Oh, and yeah. you called me the David Lindhagen. Oh. Like, come on, man. Well, spoiler alert. It's uh, the episode drops, I believe, not next week. Oh, no, on the 28th. So uh, you can listen to the full thing and you can understand. For those of you who are crazy, stupid love lovers like Jeremy and myself, it's it was it was a lot of fun. And, and I got to take shots. Underrated classic. Oh, underrated w- classic. We believe me, we got into that. The and, backyard scene is one of the best. I love that. I can't stop. I can't stop laughing when I watch that backyard uh, scene. So it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I'm, I'm going to forgive you for now that you went on that pod without me to talk that movie. But the next time we see each other, I may throw hands. So uh, like like Jacob threw hands at David Lindhagen. I, I see. Yeah, I just, see you. I see what you're doing. <laughs> We are we are of course brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at BetOnline.ag. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users, please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling spicy, leave a review. And for our Spotify people, hit us with that follow and help us climb those Spotify charts. And please subscribe and like our YouTube channel. It's Two Jabronis with the Wrestling Podcast. There's a red button somewhere around here. Hit it. Uh, like our videos. Drop some comments. Some good comments. Um, be greatly appreciated. We got this. I got this brand new camera. I look great in look it. Look at that. Look at that. Um, so you know, like our YouTube channel. Watch it. Watch our pod there. Subscribe or follow us on social at Two Jabronis Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy A. Loss, and you can follow Ben at Cruise Control. That's Control with K. All right, we have a uh, a friend of the show on with us today. And with all that, it is now time to stick to wrestling. And we should talk about it. I think we should stick to wrestling. And this week, we have a friend of the show and a second-time guest here to help us stick to wrestling. He's the digital content director at Entrepreneur.com, and you've read his wrestling musings on places like The Ringer, Bleach Report, and Rolling Stone. He has a fantastic new wrestling podcast on MLW Radio called Outside Interference with Kenny Herzog, and we a thousand percent appreciate him running Outside Interference here on our show today. Kenny Herzog, welcome back to the show, my friend. 
Oh, thanks, guys. Second time, long time. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, you're you're one of the very few second time guests. We uh, we apparently we've scared everyone else off, aside from you and Chris Van Vliet. <laughs> well, all Van Vliet's been on here twice too. That's excellent. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, you know, thank you again. So, you know, we actually had you back on the show. I think it was at the end of May uh, when I was looking back, and and one of the topics we covered was because it was it was so new to to the wrestling world and to the world in general uh, at that time was was covid and its effects on wrestling um have you have you i just wanted was curious how your feelings have evolved like toward companies like wwe and aw and have they changed uh in regards to how things have been handled you know how they've adapted to covid protocols as well as adapting to not having a stadium full of people hmm. good question um, I would say that I've taken AEW to task lately more than I necessarily um, thought I would have to. And I think that's fair because mm-hmm. um, they continue to operate across purposes. And, you know, I don't think it necessarily um, reflects well on their, uh, on, on how do I put it? Um, um, I, I, I think it just creates a, a, it's a problem for them where, you know, their owner also, of course, you know, is a co-owner of this NFL franchise. And you want to think that when he talks about what's best for the wrestling company, that he means what he says, that they're gradually bringing in fans and, and doing it in a way that's in the interest of everyone's health and safety. But then you see, well, but they're also letting more fans in to their stadium early on in the NFL season. than I think any other team in the NFL, there might be one exception to that. Um, and it just makes you realize, Oh no, this is all pretty much of a piece with the way that, you know, the, the cons are, are trying to get their businesses sort of fully back online. So it, it's, it's hard it's hard to square these different things. And I think AW is in a pickle where suddenly if you're the EVPs, you're, you're forced to reconcile the, um, you know, the, the, the needs of the corporate parent with the um, sort of the way that you've tried to very carefully message and market the ethos of your brand. So that's that piece WWE. I mean, you know, they've, they've, done some tweaks and it's been um kind of a little bit of a learning curve for them in real time right. i'm not necessarily going to sit here and give them credit um I, I i think they set the wrong example um i, didn't, I don't think they necessarily led by example early yep. on right. and the right. fact that they sort of got it together a little bit as they went on i, I think um it would have been better to sort of wait and figure out you know what's let's not do this until we know the absolute right way to do this instead of saying let's just throw it out there and um and sort of just get instant live feedback and make these adjustments it it's just as it just was hap, you know haphazard and um and a little bit uh um transparent in its uh in its priorities and i'm sorry i'm going on very long-windedly here um <laughs> no no this is great you know you know mlw is going to restart and i'm reserving judgment, you know, court Bauer, uh, you know, owner, CEO, whatever you want to call it of, of MLW. Uh, you know, I'd like, I, I want him to come on my podcast to kind of run through some of this stuff with me because I had, a, I did a feature for him on entrepreneur.com um, early on. And he was very outspoken about his uneasiness with what other promotions were doing. So I want to know what's changed with him. I had Joe Coff in the podcast last week. Um, 
you know, on the one hand, Ring of Honor's got a really good bubble system going on, and they waited until now. On the other hand, um, some of their talent seems to not be with the program. You know, at least, at least, I mean, I think they're following the protocols, but they're not with the program rhetorically, and so it just creates a little bit of this static. Um, and then there's Impact, who have been taping all along and have been pretty constant in the way that they've uh, kept a pretty close set. And I'm not saying that makes it all, all okay, but they've sort of been kind of just somewhere in between these extremes. And I'm sorry, yeah. that's that's a lot of information I just um, <laughs> shared. And now I have nothing left to say for the next episode of my actual show. So. <laughs> well, I mean, we can, shift, we can shift gears to actual wrestling here. We wanted to get your thoughts on, on MJF. Like one, of, one, because we're generally big fans of him um and, and what he does on the mic in the ring and you tweeted something last night during dynamite that I, I, that we wanted to dive into first do you buy him as a future world champion and someone capable of carrying a company and second you said i give it two years until mjf is in wwe what's the thought process there well I, I, as, as as always there I, there's no process there's, no, <laughs> there's barely barely a thought um I, it's twitter right you just like like here's a fierce yeah yeah here's uh a nibble. So I'm gathering you're asking that question about whether you think he can be, whether I think he can be championship material because you don't know, or like you have your doubts. Would that be? Uh, I actually, I actually think he can carry them. I think he's good enough where he could be a heel champion where they can bank on him. Um, I don't know if it's now, but I think eventually they can put some money behind him. I think he has a character that can really draw um, some eyeballs and get some people like get genuine heat. That's really going to push him over and push talent over. So uh, I actually have some faith in him. Maybe not now, but eventually. I think, I think you, you're right to talk about the aspect of being able to draw and make money. And sometimes I forget to think about that, even though I'm always trying to think about the business of, of wrestling. I, I just sometimes get lost in what, appears to be someone's potential and in, in, in this kind of intangible way. The, um, and, and, but I think with, with MJF, you can put your finger on it. I do think, I do think you're right. I do think he is a draw. I think if you were to ask Chris Jericho, you know, he would probably agree that that's someone who's kind of an heir apparent in terms of the way he can, um, be, you know, be sort of must see and he can just make any, any story must watch. So uh, it remains to be seen. It's a lot to ask of someone who's young and has yet to sort of have a track record mm-hmm. of, 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 you know, it's not like, it's not like he's already Ric Flair and has had his legendary feuds with, right. you know, with Dusty and Sting and so on. Um, but one of the reasons I said what I said about two years in WWE, and I know people say, well, now, you know, WWE isn't necessarily, you know, the be all end all. It doesn't have to be the final stop for people. I, I think, you know, it reminds me of when I was, reporting for my Tessa Blanchard profile last year for the ringer and everyone in her life that I spoke to said she could say what, you know, whatever she wants publicly, but at the end of the day, WWE is what's on the brain. Cause that's what to her sort of is, you know, the peak. And I, and, and she's actually roughly this, I think maybe a couple of years older than MJF, but that's, I think it's the same idea. I feel like I somehow, I feel sort of a kindredness. I've said this before, cause him and I grew up one town over from each other. I'm of course, a full generation older than him at least but i just sort of know what it's like to be a kid on long island loving wrestling and what you look up to and i as much as he then became a product of the independent scene it's not like he grew up i don't think being sort of like that 
kind of in the weeds as a fan that way. I, I, I don't know, but he was, he did his thing in MLW and then it was time for him to move on. Now he's doing his thing in AW and he's going to get a call at some point. And I don't see how you don't take that call, especially when speaking of money, that's still where you're going to make your money. Right. And everyone deserves that opportunity to a Chris Jericho degree. Everyone deserves their opportunity to make, you know, um, to, to, you know, really have, um, that kind of the opportunity for that payday, the opportunity yeah, for the, sure. that be surrounded by that infrastructure and that, and that merchandising machine and everything else. The only thing that I kind of worry about it is like, I feel like if he was to move to WWE, they would kind of neuter his character in a way. Cause his character is so like, it toes the line of being inappropriate at times. Like when he's telling a guy in a wheelchair that I can stand up at a fan event, like that's inappropriate <laughs> to me. And I don't think that shit flies in the WWE. So I'm, I'm, I'm worried like if he ever goes to something along, if he ever finds his way to the WWE, that he's going to lose something that makes him special in the way that he's just a different kind of asshole that you get in wrestling. You know what I mean? So um, that's my only kind of fear of him potentially moving to the WWE is like you lose what really makes him him in a sense. Yes. He is a particularly shitty asshole. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean that as a, as a compliment, I suppose. That yeah, I think that's the question with everyone, right? You know, is WWE gonna um, going to um, water them down? Yeah, but these things are a journey. I don't think WWE did anything to water down, let's say EC3, right? But EC3 in going through the WWE machine and it having not worked out the way he wanted to, it gave him the it gave him the motivation to step back and say, okay, I need to rethink the way I've been presenting myself period. And now in impact, he's doing something completely different and, you know, something that really helped, you know, know, stands out. And I wouldn't be surprised if that creates another opportunity for him at some other point, perhaps, you know, in WWE. So uh, I'm not saying it's going to all be this linear sort of thing, but Mm -hmm. I just, I just, I just still, and maybe, maybe I'm stuck in an old way of thinking. I just, I just see there being this this inevitable move over yeah whatever yeah i'm i hand gestures yeah (laughs) it's a video pod it's fine people he's he's making hand gestures if you're on the audio end Uh go go watch it on the video end uh something you said there that was interesting to me was that you know as much as everyone wants wants to be part of the alternative wwe is probably on everyone's mind or at least in the back of their mind in some capacity do you think there is Outside of MJF, is there anyone else in AEW that you see potentially ever making that jump from from AEW to WWE? Well, I'm very curious to know your answer, your thoughts on that. So I'll just be, be quick in mine, which is I just think it's interesting that for the most part, AEW has been um, kind of poaching or reclaiming or picking people up off the waivers from WWE right. or bringing people over from the independence, etc. So we have yet to kind of see uh, the worm turn and, and, and WWE start to kind of uh, recruit from inside AEW. So I wonder, I wonder if that's going to start to happen. And I don't know who uh, I, I, I think it just depends on so many different things. I don't think people thought they were going to sort of, um, necessarily there was going to be this mass exodus out of wcw to wwe or ecw to wwe wwe or wwf then at the time but there were things going on um that were 
insoluble that you know within WCW and then eventually uh, within ECW as well that made it kind of fait accompli. So if things start to become a bit just if, if the business of AEW starts to become dysfunctional, that's going to change the calculation. Um, mm. And it's going to be easier to entice people away from it. So I don't know. Honestly, I'm not trying to evade your, your question. Oh, no, totally. Uh, so I'm giving, I'm giving more of a, the, the 10,000 foot view, but what do you, what do you think on the ground? Are you looking at people? I mean, the one person that I even think like when their contract is up might get a look or will definitely get a look. And, and if it's totally up to them is Brian cage. He just kind of has that the look, the physique that WWE wants, right? Like put him on SmackDown, run him on some promos on NFL Sunday, and you're like, oh yeah, that looks that definitely looks like a professional wrestler, right? It's just right. like he has that look, and you know he, I mean, I'm, right now they're pairing him with Taz, and, and that's that's been really solid so far. But um, I think there's there's people in WWE that he could be paired with as well that could. Um, you know, where you can kind of feature his physicality and, and not so much his hi- and hide his mic skills a little bit. So he's like the one guy who stands out as a potential um, ship jumper when and if that time comes. Right. Jay, you agree. It sounded like you were kind of seconding that. Um, no, because wrong? I think like he had the chance to go to WWE. Like, I, I would assume that they tried to make an offer when his deal with Impact was done and that like, he just chose to go to AEW. So I would assume like I wouldn't say the door is closed, but it it would be a time a while. The one that really stands out to me, and this might be like a dark horse here, but like I would actually like to see Private Party move over. For one, WWE's tag team division is dog shit. It is so bad. So like being able to add a young tag team that has um, a lot of, uh, I, I would I would guess like a high ceiling here. Like I mean, I'd be into it, and they have great characters. Their move set's awesome. So. I would love to see private party and just see like a tag team division kind of build out again. Cause it seems like to me, the more and more I watch WWE and their product, the more they're getting away from just tag team wrestling in general. I mean, they're just starting to put random tag teams together. It's very rarely that you'll see a tag team match actually like promoted heavily or featured in a really key spot. So, um, I mean, private parties young, they have a lot of time ahead of them. Might as well try to make some, make that money. Yeah, I mean, I could see them maybe putting them first in NXT or, or even, yeah. um, you know, even in like the main event. See, who knows, you know, because they, you know, they're just, um, they're not necessarily uh, as as uh, tight as some other right teams are. But but there, but yeah, I get your point about all the the potential and 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 the gimmick and um, and the chemistry between them, and you know, they they don't have the size yet and all that stuff. But whatever. But you make me think of a few interesting things, which is, well, let me rephrase that. You make me think of a few things. I don't know if they're, <laughs> I, I, if they're interesting. But um, I would say that um, it is valid that there are some concerns about the WWE tag team scene because certainly guys like Cesaro and Shinsuke, right, are just sort of, you know, mixed and matched at this point. And, you know, if that's the way that they're able to be used, then okay, that's fine. I don't know. Um, and certainly, you know, God, for uh, what do they call, what do they even call them now? The the Viking oh the Viking Viking Raider, Raiders. War Raiders War Raiders, Raiders yes yeah you know I mean obviously those marks like us you know War Machine Forever kind of stuff but I mean what's going on with them you know now single squash matches after being oh, sort of like uh, brutal um, after the weird after the weird kind of um, you know BFF fest that went on with with street profits who knows <laughs> so there's some in- examples of where that's where stuff's not working there garza and andrade never really clicked 
I, but I would, but I would also counter that the AW tag scene uh, is is in, is in a bit of of limbo. You know, I'm not really sure that Butcher and Blade and Lucha Bros need to be part of a stable together. I don't necessarily know where the Dinosaur Express is going. Um, I think maybe they've sort of been a little bit too cryptic about what is eventually going to happen with all the different members of the elite. And I think this has sort of played its hand, you know, for a little too, a little too long. So I, I you know, I think there's, 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 there's some, some issues, you know, across the board. Yeah. Their, um, their tag team division has gone, has gone a little South and I would agree. Like there are far too many factions or little mini groups that they have within AEW. They seem to love this stuff. Like even MJF was making a, a, a note of it last night during his promo that like maybe i should join a, a faction and it's like we don't like i don't need to see another faction like they were trying to do the matt hardy and private party thing they had this eddie kingston thing they had the one with pack and the lucha bros too for a little while it was like the death triangle right. or whatever like they seem to be having a new faction every other week and it, at some point it's like all right can we just have a storyline where it's just one guy versus one guy or one woman versus one woman rather than like, here's like the dark order where like 60% of them don't mean anything. And then right. like, uh, it is a little concerning in the fact that they lean so heavily on a faction. Yeah. And look, and there's something to be said for, um, okay, let's sort of, you know, let's, let's sort of assemble these sort of different Voltron things and see like what breaks out of them. And I, I guess, you know, that's in its own way, that's kind of a very real time creative experiment. They don't have, they have dark, I guess, you know, but they don't necessarily have a, something quite like NXT where they can really kind of work out um, the finer, you know, points of, of mm-hmm. how they want certain pairings to, to work. Um, and that's part of the fun maybe of dynamite, I, I suppose. And you're always, and it's at the end of the day, there's always there is always the element of sport, even if even if the creative is a little, um, a little sort of capricious. The uh, the the match quality is there, so mm-hmm. I, I, they're hedging their bets that way. Um, and they really have not. They really have stayed true to the fact that you know from the beginning they were going to be more of a sports league than sports entertainment. I, I think they've been um, authentic about that. But but at the same point, you know the creative is a big part of it, and I think it's been a little. Um, a little scatter shot. I still have What did I mention in my last podcast episode? What was the name of the the uh, little stable that Brandy Rhodes was? Uh, oh goodness, the, the Nightmare Family. Is that it? Or yeah, is that just what they. That's, that's what they. Call, oh that, no, you're. Oh yes, the one oh. before the Nightmare Family. Yes. Oh um, goodness. Let's uh, not dwell on it, but no, yeah, <laughs> she. Her role in this in things is just a little confusing to me because it seems like she's just jumping from like gimmick to gimmick to gimmick and it just seems like nothing is sticking for her so she's just kind of hanging around same with Allie yeah. and I had kind of had, had big hopes for Allie coming into AEW because I really liked what she did in Impact as like the demon bunny but it just seems like nothing is sticking for either one of them and they're just kind of hanging around and it, it feels like just a waste of time when they're on the TV because it's like we know like really doesn't matter what they're doing because it just has no like direction it was the, it was the nightmare collective so we were yes. we were close nightmare and collective. they had yeah and they had Luther. they were like a color right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh that was that was and they had hair and yet it was it was weird so yeah there, there's been some people that have been real sort of um um what's the word i'm looking for and you know because mind you it is almost it's almost 8 30 p.m eastern time and i'm like Duh. um <laughs> 
there, there, there have been some people that have been a little sort of elusive, you know, I mean, whether it's Austin Kong or, or anyone else who's sort of, you know, f- floated in and out of our lives, you know, in, in dynamite. But uh, yeah, they're, they're uh, every, everyone right now is just desperately trying to figure out what is going to, um, what is going to break us out because there, there is a stalemate. No one's really paying that much attention to, to AW versus WWE really in terms of like the, um, you know, any kind of ratings war. But if you were to look at it, I mean, there really, it really is sort of this, there's this, uh, this attrition that has set in and neither is necessarily pulling away and doing something so extraordinary that you, that you just have to, um, you know, it, that it becomes appointment TV the way that eventually, you know, raw pulled away from nitro back in the right. day or this or that. And that's, and, co- and theoretically competition is at its best when it, when it forces sort of the cream to rise. So um, that's, that's, that's what I'm hoping happens. But right now I think everyone's still just playing sort of mm-hmm. playing, you know, chess and, and moving pieces around. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to stay on the AEW or on the AEW side of things uh, for, for one more question, because something else you mentioned on Twitter uh, last night was during your interview with with Jake Roberts that you did, uh, I believe it was 2017 uh, for Rolling oh, yeah, Stone. Yeah, just uh, every once in a while, I like to just throw throw out these little it was it was it was a great reminder. Uh, <laughs> um, and something he said there was that um, you know he still he believed he still had value in the wrestling business, and and watching him now, you thought that he was right, and we agree. Uh, you know, he's helping make Lance Archer feel legitimate. That that's just he just has this aura about him. When you did that interview with him, uh, d- did you believe him that, or did you see him as just this another pro wrestler, kind of unwilling or unable to let go of their past? I mean, when I did that interview interview with him, excuse me, which was um, more or less exactly three years ago, he was you know sober and he had gone through the DDP program and he was doing sort of the comedy tour thing you know with that worked so well for you know Mick Foley and, and some others and it was a way to keep himself busy but I think sort of out of the locker room and that whole environment and may, and now he's obviously ready to kind of um, be welcomed back into that community again and knows how to kind of separate himself from the the um, the cult the aspects of the culture of it that weren't good for him so that's been interesting to watch at the time I think I probably, thought that this is just what where what the kind of thing that that we were going to see from him that he was going to be just um doing whatever he could be doing to stay busy but that his wrestling days were behind him for so many different reasons and i'll be honest a true a true little story about that day is we spent the day together and i watched him do his comedy set um and you know, he very nicely, uh, you know, asked me him, him and his representative asked me if I wanted to come out to dinner with them that night. And you would think, you know, of course, you know, one of my childhood sort of idols in wrestling, you know, Jake the Snake, I'm going to go and have dinner with him and chew the fat. And at the time, I, I felt like, okay, I think I, I felt like I sort of understood where the station that Jake the Snake Roberts was at in his life. And I, you know, and it, it's, we both sort of, um, I think we both gotten out of the day what we need. I felt like we both got out of the day what we need sure. to get out of it. And I, yeah. and I politely declined and, and, and I ultimately went home because I had to deal with family stuff anyway. And in retrospect, I feel like I'm a perfect example of someone who maybe was selling him short 
that maybe I didn't realize how much more he had on his mind about the things he could still offer to the wrestling business and the way that doing something like a comedy tour was just to keep that, you know, keep that kind of muscle that uh, of being a storyteller working, right. You know, and, and, and get it, you know, get it going again and grease it up. And even though I would prefer that he had been less involved in ringside and in ring activity early on in the pandemic, right. <laughs> Cause <laughs> yeah. it was making me uncomfortable. Um, I, I, yeah, I absolutely um, am gr- glad for him that he has that environment um, to be in and that he was brought into the fold and embraced by AEW. And I think he is the man. I mean, he's probably done terrible things to people in his life that he deeply regrets, is, but but he's, he's the man. Right. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know that we're yeah. running short on time. So we, we, we did want to get one, like, get your thoughts on this, but. Um, do you think like Dominic Mysterio is going to be, is that really is the budding star that WWE feels he's going to be? Do you think, I mean, do you think, yes, yes I really think he is. I think he's going to okay. be great. Um, he, I don't think he needs to be like shoved down our throats. I think they probably need to take a step back now, let him probably go back to the performance center and work out some kinks. Cause the fact that they had him in gimmick matches this entire time showed that like, maybe there's some things that he's not completely comfortable with. Um, but I think he has a skill set that can really kind of push him um, to the upper echelon within WWE. And I think just having the Mysterio name is going to help him kind of um, push towards the top. I, I think it's going to take some time, but I think he can he can be something special. You don't think he could benefit from a little more polish? Oh, no. Oh, definitely. I think he needs to go back to Performance Center and just work out a little bit, like right. do some more work, take some time, like. I, I think take, the some, fact that, take some steroids. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, anything but, to pop the uh, the vest off? You know, <laughs> so some. Um, you know, with with Dominic, I, I'm I'm more sold on his in ring abilities uh, than I was prior when he was just taking F fives from Brock Lesnar. I was like, I don't know if that really proves right. someone's wrestling acumen, but uh, the past couple of weeks uh, have kind of shown me that he has the, he has the chops for sure. What's on the mic? is still left there's a lot to be desired there and right. i think that's the biggest aspect that he needs to work on because look ricochet is an incredible in-ring worker where's he at right he's he's, he's, on, just, main event. he's on main event actually I, I answered my own quick you answered my question so uh if if he finds a way to round out that side of his skill set uh you know the, the the mic work or at least partner himself with someone who can do that for him i think he does have a bright future and clearly vince wants him to be a big aspect of WWE moving forward when he, you right. know, when that time comes. I mean, having, you know, that, that, that is priceless to have that, um, to be able to have that mysterious legacy um, as part of your kind of intellectual property is, is, right. is certainly important. And, as and the ambassadorial aspect of it, especially, you know, young Dominic, if he then brings over some more young Lucha talent, um, you know, it, it kind of reminds, I always think in my head of when Pedro Martinez came to the Mets and the idea was that he was going to essentially, as much as he was there to pitch well, he was there to sort of be an ambassador to other players, uh, you know, from um, Spanish speaking countries to, uh, to, to come over to the Mets and, um, and, you know, make it both uh make them make them qualitatively better and make it more of a broadly appealing team for marketing purposes to the diverse you know fan base in new york and i i I sort of 
think about maybe someone like Dominic in that light where he, in their view, he could be, have the same raw talent and, and ambition and drive and commitment that his, that his father did and really take, take the, 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 um, take the tradition, you know, as seriously as his father does while also being this, this sort of, you know, enticement for, for, right. um, for similar talent. I don't, when I look at him, I don't see this. He doesn't cut the figure for me yet. I think right. he obviously has, he clearly is not, he's not sloppy in the ring. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's good, but I do sometimes feel like I'm watching a live training exercise, but just in the main event of raw <laughs> and, it, and they, they, they do a good job of creating cover for that by having so much going on around him, you know, there's right. so many people involved in this whole story with Rollins and Murphy. And there's so many gimmicks and so much stuff. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors yeah. short of actual smoke and mirrors, you know, like <laughs> as if you were, as if you were, you know, going up against the undertaker, you know, this is, they've, they've really sort of managed to protect him really well in this while also just absolutely beating the shit out of him. So, but you know, Hey, People can say what they want about the nepotism angle. I mean, let's all be, you know, grown up about that. We understand that, that, that part of it, but he's taken his lumps quite literally, you know, uh, you know, with, with, you know, with his kendo lashings and stuff. So that's, um, that should satisfy, um, that anyone who sort of, you know, feels like he, uh, 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 whatever, you know, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, A smoke and save me, save me. I need, a, I need well, a lifeboat. Right actually, now. a smoke and mirrors match, match is actually what's next for him and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. That's what yeah, they're right. going to build toward just smoke machines and a lot of mirrors uh, instead of a ring. Uh, you have a new podcast that has been out in, oh. in the universe that is absolutely fantastic. And anyone who listens to Thanks. podcasts or wrestling podcasts or podcasts in general need to go check it out. What um, Tell the listeners about the show, uh, shows you've done and, and, and that you've done so far and anything else you've got cooking with it. I appreciate the opportunity and I'm sorry that, um, that my appearance here tonight has probably been the worst possible. Oh no, come uh, on. Uh, Fantastic. Promotion for it, just in terms of, you know, me being, um, a little bit, uh, you know, sort of, uh, all over the place. But that being said, when it comes time to record the podcast, I'm, I'm locked He's in. Locked in. Yeah. And I, of course, Yes, and I have a producer, as I always describe him, the inimitable Emilio Sparks, who also produced uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson's Talking Shop, as well as his own wrestle rap, rap that he hosts. So by the time you hear my podcast, it is a it is a well oiled thing um, with a lot less of my. Uh, and <laughs> I've done th- I've done three episodes. The fourth one I'll be recording this weekend. Right now I'm doing them um, where they they are unveiled every other Tuesday. Again, it's part of the MLW Radio Network, which you can get it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have a link tree link on my Twitter account, at Kenny Herzog, where you can just get a direct access to that. And so far, the response has been pretty good. It's been, you know, I, I try to mix it up. I, I definitely talk about some things that are political, and I talk about some things that are, um, you know, looking at things from an aerial view. But I, I, I also get you know, drill down into what's going on in, in storyline stuff. And, um, I try and have a little fun and some laughs and get, uh, you know, the booking is coming along. You know, I, I alluded to the Joe Coffin interview last week. I had, um, I wasn't able to get, there were a couple of people I wanted on 
potentially for this episode, it doesn't look like it's all going to come together. You guys know what it's like to be your yeah. day job and your personal life. Yep. And then you're trying to like do this podcast that sounds professional and, and I hopefully is professional, but in reality, it's just like you trying to reach out to people to get them to come on and right. trying to promote <laughs> yep. it. And, you know, so, so I, I, you know, it'll be hit or miss. So the next episode will just be me ranting, but hopefully I'll have a, a notable guest on again soon and hopefully have you guys on um, once every, once I have my footing here. So that's, oh. that's, that's the gist of it, man. There it is. Well, everyone, go check it out. You you can do do a little back to back feature. Go listen to this show with Kenny, and then if you once you, I know you haven't had enough of them, so then go listen to his show. Uh, you all <laughs> the ones that he's done and the ones that he has coming up. But Kenny Herzog, fantastic, fantastic stuff as always. Thank you so much for joining us again on the show. You're uh, yeah. you're officially in the the two timers club. Now SNL has the five timers club, but you've officially joined yeah. the two timers club, and uh, <laughs> you know it's it was. Amazing as always. We'll, we'll definitely be listening to your pod um, more uh, as as more shows roll out, and it's been fantastic so far. But we just want to thank you again for coming on the show with us. Amazing, amazing stuff as always. No, that, uh, you flatter me. I, I, um, I I'd be more curious to hear what you say off mic about me after uh, we <laughs> hang up. But you know, I'll, whatever. I'll I'll let myself live in this fantasy where that's how you really feel. I appreciate the platform, and um, you know, fucking a. There it is. On that. Way to go off. <laughs> Kenny, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much to Kenny Herzog for another another fantastic chat on everything wrestling. I love talking wrestling with that guy. And honestly, when he used to be on the Masked Man show on The Ringer, it was just every time he was on, it was like a must-download episode. So it's still surreal mm-hmm. that we just like talked to this dude and just picked his brain about wrestling. He just The way he sees wrestling is so, so interesting than just kind of everyone else. You know what I mean? And uh, I just loved yeah. getting different perspectives, uh, f- you know, on, on it. And, and it, it was it was just fantastic. I love talking wrestling to anyone outside of you. Like, right. Now, now, just getting a fresh face <laughs> to talk wrestling with, you know? You're, you're, you. I, it's great. So, I you, mean, I loved having him on the show. Hopefully we can get on his show at, at some point. More guests, the better, so I don't have to just continue to talk to your ugly mug every day. You're you're such a David Lindhagen. All right, um, <laughs> we uh, on that. We're we're gonna get out of here. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Wow, it's I can't believe this is the uh, second show of the week already. It's uh, time, time it's flies, crazy. man. This time week's flies. been weird, man. Yeah, it, it really has. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts, and if you're one of our fantastic Apple Podcast users. Please, please, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling spicy, leave a review. And our Spotify people, hit us with that follow because we want to shoot up those Spotify charts. I need that Spotify bag. I got two kids. I got to pay for college. So just help me out here. Let me secure that Spotify bag. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, There's a red button here. That's at two jabronis with a wrestling podcast. Uh, you can you can follow us on social at Two Jabronis Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow me and my hilarious dad jokes on Twitter at Jeremy Ooh. A. Loss. <laughs> and you can follow Ben for his terrible takes at Cruise Control. That's Control with a K. All right, everyone, have a great weekend. We will catch you on Tuesday on your podcast feeds. In the meantime, uh, if you can stay home, if you can't wear a mask. Um, keep washing your hands and always and forever Black Lives Matter. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.